This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, welcome to Remote Control, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with Outlander star Katrina Bell. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum. It's my pleasure to welcome Katrina Bell. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. So oh, congratulations awesome. on Outlander. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, we are about to to launch our season four, which is kind of crazy. You know, I don't think five years ago we had any idea we'd still be here, but it's it's really cool. And also growing in popularity. I mean, that's something that's so amazing. This show sort of defies gravity. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I mean, the show. We. I mean, we had no idea when we were starting to film it, but obviously, it's been based on this, you know, book series that was hugely successful. Um, but you never know when you do something like this. Are the book fans going to come on board? Are they going to like what you do? Um, and they really embraced us from the start. But I think you know that was probably our core audience in the beginning. And what's been so nice is that we've managed to branch out of that and the show has sort of won its own fans and um, I think we take these long gaps as well so that that tends to give enough time to sort of the word to spread and people sort of tell each other about the show and and yeah it's great it's it's really it's been quite a wild ride but it's it's been a good one yeah, you guys are definitely the motto for the absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this whole Droughtlander thing kind of, it works in our favor, I think. Very much so. How do you think the show has struck the balance of bringing along the book fans while also attracting new fans? What is that sort of magic formula, if there is one? Well, I, you know, I think Ron D. Moore has a huge part to play in that. I mean, he's such an excellent storyteller. And, you know, he always talks about the fact that you know, he was a fan of the books. His wife, Terry, was a fan of the books. Meryl Davis, who's our other co-exec producer, um, you know, she was a big fan. And I and I think that if you have people who are in the show making, you know, who are making the show, if they are fans, they retain the essence of what the book fans really love. But, you know, Ron also is such a fantastic TV you know, showrunner and, and writer, and he understands that thing about adaptation and how to make each episode sort of have its own world and, and tell its own story. And so even though they're fans of the books, you know, they're not they're not beholden to it. You still have to make TV for TV's sake. And, uh, and I think they just do a good job in that way. What kind of relationship do you have with Ron? What kind of conversations can you have with him about where you want to see the story go? Um, you know, he was very involved in the first two seasons. He's sort of um, stepped away a little bit now, so the relationship is not as um, involved as it was. But definitely when in season one and season two, you know, there was always a lot of conversations. I mean, you have the blueprint of what the season's going to be because you have these books and, we, you know, we read the book before the seasons. And there's definitely some emails that go and be like, I love this bit. Like, please tell me we're doing this. And sometimes, you know, things get lost in that process of adaptation. And, and there's there's 
moments in the books where I feel like for my character I was like well they have to do this and then they don't and you're like what <laughs> Why, where did that go but um, you know he was very Ron has always been very collaborative you know they 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 hear us out always. I mean, at the end of the day, he will say it's not a democracy, um, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I think that's that's probably how it should work. But um, yeah, we, we constantly have a dialogue going with the writers, which is very nice. Has it gotten easier or harder to play Claire as the seasons have gone on? Um, you know, in many ways, it's a bit of both. I think, you know, there's a... A comfortability you have because you you sort of have been playing this character so long, but I think every season is so different. And you know, this season we explore such a different side of Claire. And you know, I said it to somebody before, and, and I think it was slightly misconstrued what I said. But I was like, in the beginning, it was slightly jarring because it is a very different side of her. But that's what keeps me excited because then you get to be like, oh, okay. So I thought that. You know, you don't want to play just one side of somebody or you don't want to just focus on one part of somebody's personality. And I think all of us as human beings in different parts of our lives, we need to focus on different parts of, of what we do. So before Claire, especially last season, was very much focused on her professional life and this idea that, you know, she was this trailblazing professional woman in, in the 50s and 60s. And that was really gratifying to play that stuff. But you also have to realize that as a woman, your nurturing side, your marriage, your your being a mother, all of that is just as important. And to ignore either side of Claire would just not make her the fully rounded person that I am so lucky to get to play. So, um, so in that way, yeah, it's 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 always it's tough to sort of maybe find the new things every season. But then, I guess because you're so in the character, um, once you find your groove, that comes a bit easier, if that answers that. <laughs> no, absolutely. So going into this season then, where is Claire? Where is her mindset? How are you, are you able to striking that balance between those two sides of her? Well, I think this season is focusing much more on her as a, as a wife, as a mother, as a homemaker, which is not sort of things that we focused on before. Um, they arrive in, you know, th this is an immigrant family who have arrived in America and initially they think they're going to leave and go back to Scotland. But for Claire, there's such an emotional pull to America, to that land. She raised her daughter there, um, you know, and she is, has, I think she's an American essentially. Having spent 20 years, you know, I'm, I'm someone who only spent 13 years in America, um, but it, it gets into your blood, you know, you become so much part of a place that you, you live for so long. And so I think for Claire, the idea of going back to Scotland, um, it's just not as exciting to her as, as the possibility of, of being in America, especially it's at the cusp of America becoming what we know it is today, um, the start of the, of the kind of republic, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so I, I think for her, we get to see this this woman and well this couple choose their home and sort of choose how they want to live their life and what the, what that community that they want to build from the ground up what that will become after so many seasons of seeing the you know sort of things come between them and their relationship this season we really get to see them exist as a couple at least what I've seen so far yeah I, this is definitely the most solid they've been you know we don't have any cliffhangers anymore about will they won't they 
Um, you know, and I, I don't think you can keep doing that either. You know, we had the reunion last year, which was amazing, and, and it was great to sort of play with that insecurity of what two people who have have spent 20 years, you know, putting each other on a pedestal and thinking about each other, but then the reality of coming together is so complex and confusing and you know do people live up to each other's dreams of each other and all of that kind of thing but now that they've made that decision to stay together I think this is it this is our couple um and so the drama and all of that it will be in the external forces and and sort of the the the, the what's going on politically around them or with the other characters but as a couple um they're very solid which is nice and she, so in choosing this relationship and choosing to be with Jamie, she sort of, you know, she separated herself from her daughter. That was a tough decision to make. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, as an actor, that was one of the toughest things to sort of wrap your head around. It's like, well, how do you, how do you essentially, you know, leave your daughter and, 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 and know that you're never going to see her again or, you know. So you think. So you think. <laughs> there are these things Yes. In that moment, she had to believe that she was never going to see her again. But I, but again, I think, you know, it went back to that thing of she had lived 20 years sort of compromised in her own personal life. Um, she had raised her daughter. She could see that Brianna was now this um, exceptional young woman who was strong and who was probably, you know, who was going to be fine. She knew she'd raised her well. So I think she felt that um, it was time to sort of invest in herself again. In a different way, yeah. How does that decision play out this season? Well, as you said, there are some stones. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's too much of a secret that there's some sort of a family reunion um, that happens. But uh, it's great. It's great to be able to, um, yeah, see that family dynamic and see maybe the two main loves of her life finally get to, to meet and, and to... Yeah, father daughter reunion. I mean, I, 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 I you know, <laughs> it's so funny to talk about spoilers when there's a book out there. I know there. that's the thing. It's so you know, people are like, you can't say this and you can't say that, and I'm like, but it's in a bookstore <laughs> on a shelf. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll just have to tune in and see. <laughs> Fun. Um, you referenced to all the politics, and that really comes to play this season mm-hmm. because I think she finds herself in a society that's very different from what she believes and feels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that was some of the toughest stuff that we had to, to, had to do this season. Um, you know, Jamie and Claire, they, they end up going to Jamie's Aunt Jocasta, um, who has a plantation in North Carolina. Um, so, obviously, you know, it was a slave plantation, and, and we had to do a story we have an episode based on that and it's it's so hard to you know for Claire to come on to come to that and for her to see it and for her to come as a woman from 1968 when all the civil rights movement was in its height and all of this was going on in her future and her present um, to then come back and see firsthand how slaves were treated and even though Jocasta's you know uh, somewhat of a benevolent slave owner that it's still that's, she's still a slave owner she's still a slave owner and it's still very much people as property and it's it's a horrible thing for Claire to have to witness and you know we try I think as much as we can to give agency to um, a couple of the characters who are slaves so that they can sort of tell their own story um, but it's a difficult thing you know I think in this process of adaptation the writers really have to 
you know, it's it's a fine line of how do you tell these stories. I personally always think the best way is to give give the voice to the characters themselves and let them tell their own story. Um, but you you know you don't want to whitewash it, but you also want to show it from how those characters viewed it at that time. Um, so yeah, it's it's those are never nice subjects when you have to come upon them. But I think it's important that you know that those conversations are still happening and you have you have to address it as well so and we're, especially when we're looking at it from a modern perspective you and you were trying to tell these stories today and bring up these issues you have to figure out the right way to find that voice yeah i agree and you know it's it's funny because obviously having a modern perspective we have such a clear vision of of how it should be or or how we should tell the story but if you're telling certain aspects from certain characters who are from that time, their version of how things are are very, very different. So, yeah, it's always it's it's complicated. And that also plays out with the Native American storylines as well, yeah. because we see them, you know, living in that situation and confronting that. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Claire and Jamie get given this land and to come from Scotland and have been displaced as Scottish Highlanders because, you know, of their culture, of their uh, Scottishness and, and the British throwing them off their land. It was interesting to then watch them as immigrants come to this country and basically do the same thing in, in many ways. Um, but that's the reality of what happened, you know. Uh, but they are they do become quite friendly with their Cherokee neighbors and and Claire especially forms this really great bond with Adwehi, who is a fellow healer, and that's how they connect and and they get along. So we see some of that. And we had all these amazing actors come from Canada, these First Nation Canadians who came over to play all the Cherokee and Mohawk. Um, I think originally they were hoping that we could get Mohawk pe uh, people to come over and play those characters, but um, through the issues of tax breaks and all of those things, it, it, it wasn't working out. Um, but it's, I, you know, we have these great, John Gary Steele built this incredible Mohawk village on the side of this lock, which was one of the most gorgeous settings. And we have some great episodes that we filmed there. And um, it's, I think it's going to be, I think those episodes are going to be great. So hopefully people enjoy them. How did those compare for you to the Paris episodes? Oh God! I mean, I you know, as as much as it was so beautiful um, to wear those gowns and to be in those really opulent sets, I am always so much happier when I'm rolling around in the mud, <laughs> so, um, and I don't have to worry about whether I've got you know a speck of dust on my dress or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, we we spent a lot of time this year outside, um, which was tough, I suppose, just in on, from a weather perspective. But I'm always happiest there. It's just. Scotland's so beautiful, even though we were making it look like North Carolina. Um, and But uh, it's just when you're outside, it's it's just, I don't know, there's some magic. And, and we have we had one scene um, really late on in, in the season. It's I think it's going to be in our finale. And uh, we are traveling with um, a couple of Mohawk warriors, and we had to get in these, we, they had um, these canoes made in somewhere here in America and shipped over and we were kayaking across this lock at it was like 10:30 at night but because it was late summer it was just as the sun was setting 
And it was one of the most beautiful moments. I mean, we were all just like, this is crazy. It's so gorgeous. Um, so it's nice to be able to do things like that. And then on the flip side, what are some of the hardest things you've had to do? Um, <laughs> work with a dog. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm giving Rolo a really uh, bad rep here. But, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we got these two puppies to play. There's a dog, and the, the young Ian has a dog this season. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't the best trained. So <laughs> just, we would be doing scenes, and he would uh, just wander in and out, or, you know, he'd supposed to be, be in the scene, and then he'd look, walk away. Or, you know, we had one scene where uh, there's someone coming to sort of attack the house that I'm in and I'm, I'm standing on one side with a with a rifle pointed at the door and the dog's supposed to be barking but to get the dog to bark his trainer was on the other side of the door with a squeaky toy and he has this really high-pitched voice so he was just going dewey dewey <laughs> and you're trying to be intense and in the moment and all you can hear is squeak dewey <laughs> you know? it's just oh god um doesn't help for the concentration but uh it's it's fun as well he's very he's actually a lovely dog it's just um yeah <laughs> it's not always doing what he's supposed to do and then there's working with sam hmm. Speaking of untrained dogs, no, (laughs) I'm totally joking. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's great. Sam and I, uh, we sort of feel like the two, I don't know, the the grandma and granddad at this point, (laughs) because it's really just the two of us who've been in it from from day one. So, um, but it's great. You know, what's great is that he and I have really, I think, you know, we've settled into these characters in, in a really nice way and we have such a shorthand with each other and so when you're playing scenes together it's so great because you just you know the the connection's just really strong and so um it's really nice to have that but at the same time we we have nice uh fresh and enthusiastic actors who come in and keep us on our toes because <laughs> you know i think sometimes when you when you've been on something so long you need that fresh injection of you know enthusiasm especially from canine set <laughs> yes yes what do you think motivates Claire at this point? What, you know, what is she looking for in the world? You know, I think at this point in her life, um, you know, she's in her early 50s. She's spent 20 years fulfilling what she wants in her career. She spent 20 years raising a daughter, so she's had all of that um, fulfillment as well. And I think now it's sort of that time when everything's starting to come together and she is building a life that will have the full package. I mean, this season we don't see so much of her do, um, you know, her being a healer or, uh, you know, know, using her doctor skills as much as perhaps we will next season. I think we've been building that up. She's going to have her own clinic at, at Fraser's Ridge. But it's the fact that, you know, her life with Jamie is very solid. She has this home. Her other family members are there. (laughs) And, and then, you know, she she's also able to fulfill that other side of her. So I think it's just everything's coming together in a, in a really beautiful way. And, um, yeah, she gets to watch this extended family around them grow and, and a community. That that's, I think that's the biggest thing. They're building this community um, that's not just their own family, but there are other people who are going to join. And, and it's, yeah, I think it's just living her life and having all aspects of it feel full. Does she have any flaws? How do you keep her from being so one-note perfect? 
Oh God, she has a lot of flaws. Uh, as Sam loves to be like, oh God, here comes nagging Claire again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she, yeah, she has flaws. She she can be very stubborn and very hot-headed, um, you know, and I think those things get her into trouble a lot of the time. And maybe her, I think sometimes she, she thinks that in the moment when she sees something going wrong that her right to... Her, her yeah her right to to right wrongs <laughs> or to um sort of seek justice can sometimes have a very narrow field um so she doesn't always look at the bigger picture she can sometimes be locked into just that little moment um but then if we didn't have those things we wouldn't have drama so <laughs> so it makes for good tv it's made what it makes for great tv so yeah um and you know i think it's it's you never want to try and and do someone who's perfect. I mean, I think that's just so boring and bland. But um, yeah, so we 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 like to keep the flaws as as much as we can. One of the other things that the show really gets singled out for is the way it handles its sex scenes, and you know, it really looks at it from a female gaze. Can you talk about as an actor what it's like to play in those scenes and how you sort of navigate so that you get your point of view across? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I was kind of shocked in the beginning how people were lauding our sex scenes as somehow revolutionary or something because it was told from a female point of view and then you realize just how have you watched tv lately (laughs) well you know i guess you don't realize how starved women are for representation and and i mean yeah there are a lot of horny grannies out there (laughs) you know these older women who come up to us and just be like oh my god your show and we love it and it's so sexy and you're like wow okay that was a demographic that were being seriously (laughs) underserviced for a very long time um but you know it's it's important to me you know i'd never done a sex scene before before i got the show wow um, so there was also a lot of learning about where my own limitations were and what I was comfortable showing and not showing. And, and you know, it's definitely been an interesting part of the show. And I think, you know, whether you have to, you, they always have to make a point of view. And I think when I first sat down with Ron, that was one of the things that I loved about what he said, because he was very adamant that he didn't want to do just regular TV sex. He wanted, if we're going to do it, it has to have a point of view. It has to have a purpose. It has to tell you something about where these characters are at. And I think that gets harder as seasons go on. Because I think a couple falling in love and meeting for the first time, you know, it's easy to turn that narrative into sex scenes. A couple that have been together for a long time, how do you keep that... um, how do you keep it new and fresh and interesting, but also make a point of view in the story and, and make it part of the plot without just shoehorning sex scenes in? Um, so that's definitely, I think, been a challenge for writers and us going forward. It's because you don't want to just do regular TV sex. You know, I think that's been our our sort of mission from the beginning, but yet there's such an appetite for it from the fans and the fans are always like, are there more sex scenes? Are there more sex scenes? <laughs> and you have to be like, hey guys, this is not softcore porn. You know, I, you may need to get your titillation somewhere else if this is what you're just watching the show for. But, um, you know, I think, I think what's been so good and what's so important and I think for any actor 
um, is to be able to have a voice at the table when it comes to the writers and all of that when when those kind of scenes are, are being done and I think you know we've we've been very lucky to have that and, and to continue to have that um, you know and it's it's sometimes you you know as a as a woman in this business you have to really you know make your voice heard and and in the beginning I think that was a real learning curve for me to be able to find out you know where where like how much right I had and all of that you know and and it's a responsibility as well because you know there are younger actors coming up on our show and you want to make sure that you've set a right example for them and um you know that you're looking out for them as well and that they feel as comfortable you know I was in my 30s getting this show and I've lived a life and I'm I'm comfortable with who I am and with my body but it's very different for a woman at that point in your life than it is for someone who's like 21 22 and so you know it, you have to make sure that you yeah that you set the right precedent for them coming um after you as well I think that's that's very important too how have those conversations changed? I mean, you know, given that we've been through this year of Me Too and Time's Up, how have those conversations changed for you? Have you always felt comfortable on the set? Well, I think with our show, we were having those conversations anyway. Um, but definitely, I think that... I think people are, are listening a little bit better. You know, maybe you don't have to fight quite so hard. Um, and, but it's also, you know... I think I think the whole thing is about respect and and that goes whether you're an actress or an actor or you know no matter what your age is it's about people in power being respectful of people who are perhaps deemed as having less power than they have mm-hmm. um and it's not just about the sex it's about everything you know I think one thing about our business is it's so hierarchical and that can create a lot of problems because people are seen to be sort of um, above the law if they're in a certain place of position. And, and um, you know, I think I think everyone in the industry is starting to look at that a little bit differently, which is really good. Um, and, you know, it's it, it goes all the way through all the different departments as well because you, you see that certain departments are given so much more weight than other departments, and that goes down to their contracts for their hours or how they're paid um, and generally, the, the the departments at the bottom are, are the ones that are more female led. And you know, I think that there is a lot of change that needs to happen um, across the board. And I think if we can sort of put respect and respecting each other as as just equal human beings at, at the top of that um, drive for change, then then that might take care of a lot of things. The show also tackles, you know, rape. It comes up a lot. There's a few mm-hmm. plot points where it's come up. How do you approach that? How do you navigate it so you're comfortable with the way that story is being told? I mean, it's difficult. You know, I think it's it's in our show a lot. Um, and some of those instances, I think it's, it's very important that it was shown as um, a... a a weapon of war a lot of the times you know this is the kind of time frame that we were in you know um that this was and it's still being used today as that 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 this is what happens to people who um are on the wrong side of of the people in power a lot of the time um 
you know, again, it's it's difficult. You have these conversations because you don't want to be gratuitous and you don't want to... Also, you don't want to just move on, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, somebody's been raped and attacked. Well, you know, it was, it was back then. I'm sure they were fine. And, you know, I, I do remember some... We had a director at one point um, who sort of said... Well, in that time, it happened a lot. They would be used to it. And you kind of like, you have to go, no, that's not, that's not what we're doing. And that's not true. You know, I, I think that's been one of the greatest things about doing a period piece is I think sometimes people can look at a different time and imagine that people were just very different then. And for me, people are the same no matter what, you know. Our, our society might change slightly and our customs might change, but, you know, pain is pain and fear and love and all of those things are, are I, I, you know, I have to imagine it's consistent no matter what time you're in. It's just how you're allowed to express yourself might be slightly different. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that you always want to fight for is the fact that you know, people don't feel any less pain just because it was 200 years ago or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's never an easy subject. Again, it's, I think, with all of these things, it just has to be a really open and honest conversation with writers and actors and directors and try and make sure that everyone is looking at it in, in the correct lens. And a lot of this, too, also does come from the book. That's not a justification for it, but it, it does sort of drive the plot. When you look at the books, are there things that you want to see? Are there changes that you want to see made? Or how, how, how important is it for you to be true to the books? Um, you know, it's, it, the books are so dense. I mean, it, it's, there's so much in them that you know you're always going to lose some stuff when um, you come to the season. It's... I think every single one of us read those books and read them through our own prism. And, and, you know, there's certain things in the books that I would love to have filmed and done. And, and, you know, this season, I think we've probably um, veered further from the book than, than before. And part of that reason is certain things we did last season or the season before have ripple effects. So you can't really um, follow the books completely. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's always interesting when you when you when you get the scripts and you see what the writers have chosen as sort of the most important things from that section, and you're like, really? I would not have thought that. Or, or you know, certain things that you love are there, and so it's 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 always, I don't know, an interesting thing. It's a, it's a surprise when you get the scripts, but. Um, you know, our writers work really hard on breaking the books and deciding what they're going to choose, and, and they have really good reasons for choosing what they do choose. So um, they've been doing a pretty good job so far, so we, we trust them. Is there one thing from the books that you really wanted to see this season that you were eager to play out? Yeah, there was. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a boat ride, and I understand logistic-wise why, uh, the, but there's a there was a whole section in the book where Jamie and Claire go for this like rowboat ride in, in on a lake um, and I loved it I just loved the way what they were talking about at the time and the way that it sort of showed to me the inner workings of their relationship and how they sort of 
talk through a problem probably not the most cinematic thing <laughs> ever so I understand probably why it wasn't chosen but you know the great thing as an actor though is I can take that with me and bring it into other scenes so in some ways it's not lost but um yeah I guess I just love sometimes those quiet relationship moments and um yeah they're probably not dramatic enough for TV but I I, I love those bits what have you learned from playing Claire? What have you taken away from this experience? Oh, God. Um, I mean, the whole experience has taught me so much. Um, you know, I don't think that you become part of something like this without it changing you in many ways. Um, I think, you know, I've grown up a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've gained a lot of confidence from playing her and I I think part of that is is playing somebody who is confident and who sort of strides into moments um, makes you feel like oh well yeah I, I could do that <laughs> you know I, I have the ability um, but it's also uh, you know her compassion um, you know I, I hope I was always compassionate but I I love I mean to me that's sort of her defining characteristic in many ways and um I, I I yeah I love I love to take that away from her or with me from her so I think that that's uh, probably one of the biggest things that I've gotten and how much longer can you see playing her or do you want to keep playing her well, we're definitely going to do two more seasons so um that'll probably be three years of of our lives um as long as I am continuing to be inspired by her, which I am now. And as long as the scripts are good and, you know, the stories are interesting to tell, then I'm happy, you know, I'm happy playing this character. I'm happy working with the people I'm working with. Um, I don't think, you know, I've never had a job longer than five weeks before I got this show. So it's a whole new thing for me to to be five years deep into a job. But um yeah, as long as as long as the quality is still good, I'm I'm game. Well, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. This is great. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with Hugh Grant about Amazon Limited series, A Very English Scandal. And if you like this show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you'd want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcastofvariety.com. See you next time. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.